Hello, and welcome to 15 Minutes to Change the World, where in 15 minutes, you can learn a bit more about the world and how you can help change it. My name is Lema Al-Safi, host of this podcast. Mothers across Canada are experiencing new and unexpected challenges as COVID-19 has changed the way we live our lives. Physical distancing has become the new norm, meaning expectant mothers are facing more difficulty accessing checkups, many women are giving birth isolated in hospitals or at home, families with newborns or small children are spending time away from their loved ones, and parents are trying to balance homeschooling and day-to-day work. Even with a stronger and better resourced health system as we have in Canada, all these adjustments come with discomfort and increased anxieties. And these challenges are not unique to us in Canada alone. Women around the world with less reliable health systems in place to support them are confronted with these challenges as well. We know that resources are in short supply for vulnerable communities and that the risk only continues to grow. Today, our guest is Mandana Arabi, Vice President of Global Technical Services at Nutrition International. Mandana joins us remotely from New York City. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and welcome to the podcast, Mandana. Hi, thanks a lot for having me. I'm wondering if you can tell us uh, a bit more about your background and how your interest in maternal and child nutritional health began. Uh, Sure. So I'm actually a trained physician from Iran and uh, after I graduated from medical school, I worked in the peri-urban areas of Tehran, the capital of my country, in you know refugee communities, in very high-need, low-resource um, communities that opened my eyes to really the needs of women and children in these circumstances. And also, I started seeing the impact of prevention and how you can have huge impact at large scale with relatively simple solutions. So that really resonated for me and as a doctor, and that's that became the beginning of my work in specifically nutrition for maternal children. Uh, I continued my studies in nutrition sciences, got a PhD in international nutrition, and I've been working after that for more than 15 years now at the global level with UNICEF, with uh, international NGOs focused on providing uh, nutrition interventions in mostly in the developing world. And can you tell our listeners a bit more about Nutrition International and some of the work you do around maternal, newborn, and child health? Sure. Nutrition International is a dedicated nutrition international organization. They've been around for more than 25 years, um, working uh, through partnerships with governments, donors, implementers in countries to uh, make sure that low-cost, high-impact nutrition interventions are available, especially to women, adolescent girls, and young children, um, are also very active in generating evidence and making sure that our programming is evidence-based and the learnings are um, kind of really becoming the best practices in the field as well. So really building this continuum of evidence to action strongly, which I think is 
relatively unique for for kind of implementation focused agency and for me being the kind of supervisor of the technical services i think this is really a key element to the success of ni to make sure that we also understand what works best and understand the technicality and the evidence that's needed to improve the different actions that we take in international nutrition. Can you identify if, if there's a, a link for us between nutrition and gender equality that you, you've seen in your work? I strongly believe that there is a very important and strong link between nutrition and gender equality. And from different perspectives, you know, um, when you look at the needs, women at different life stages have higher nutritional needs. As you can imagine, childbirth, pregnancy, lactation, um, adolescent women, we know that they are disproportionately affected by nutrition deficiencies. For example, iron and iron supplements, we know that anemia is really affecting women a lot more. And in itself, you know, it's a nutrition condition, but it affects productivity, work productivity, caregiving ability, pregnancy outcomes, um, outcomes for the mother and the baby. It affects basically quality of life on so many levels. And we cannot achieve gender equality without targeting and addressing these gaps specifically. Um, and, and, you know, there are also different vulnerabilities in terms of access to food, access to quality foods, cultural practices that, again, I think might increase the vulnerabilities of, of women. And, and we cannot address gender inequality without addressing those specific nutritional vulnerabilities. Mandana, is COVID-19 having an impact on pregnant women and those with newborns in vulnerable communities around the world? I have worked at the UN organizations during crisis, you know, for example, the earthquake in Haiti, other other conditions where, as you mentioned, um, different crisis conditions existed. And this current situation with the COVID-19 has many similar and also additional perspectives in terms of added vulnerabilities for women. Um, I think women are significantly affected by disruptions in regular care in general, again, especially in those uh, life stages such as pregnancy. Pregnancy, uh, they are they need regular access to healthcare. Antenatal care services, for example, are crucial. Um, and because of social distances and isolation, right now we are very concerned that these um, would be quite reduced. Um, birth attendance, you know, quality birth attendance may not be available and might affect again the outcomes both for moms and babies. Um, nutrition needs are higher in general for women uh, and. Again, because of shortages or lack of access or disruptions in access, women could be at higher risk, risk of um, you know, ac low access to quality of diets and um, deficiencies such as, again, iron deficiency um, that could be risky for them. Um, in this crisis conditions as well. Uh, one issue that I feel sometimes is not brought up as strongly as it should is really role of women as caregivers and the burden of care and just how much they are affected, you know, times when there is higher need and higher demand. I think women, and we know that frontline community health workers in the developing world is a lot higher. So their profession, like their jobs are actually more in caregiving jobs but then also in households, they are the caregivers of anybody who is affected by COVID-19 as well as they themselves could potentially be affected. While the ongoing needs of being a mom and a partner and, and you know, again, taking care of the household are still there. None of that has changed. So basically a lot higher demand uh, with perhaps increasingly reduced resources.
Is it too early to talk about the, the longer term impacts of, of COVID-19 or from your experience, can you, can you anticipate what these might be? It is too early, but again, we know a lot from before and how household resources um, come into play and individual resources come into play in response to crises. What we know in general is that, you know, households and individuals um, that have resources for coping and resources for support generally do better. Sometimes we call them these households the positive deviance. You know, you might be in the same communities going through the same um, kind of external shock, but if you do have those resources, you will be able to be the positive deviant, not to be as badly affected. Um, some of these you know, factors, of course, are economic, but it's also having support, having support from women's groups, uh, having support from the health system, uh, have, receiving resources specifically that will be put in the hands of women for decision making. Again, for example, in social protection programs, for when the programs target women and allow women to receive the benefits, it's been shown that women spend them for health and for kind of child um, well-being outcomes perhaps then um, you know they you know in the context of crisis potentially they could even be considered better decision makers so can we make sure that we target them and we allow them to make decisions and empower them so that they have more resources I think the biggest concern for me is is resources being increasingly depleted and then in places where women are already not benefiting from a lot of resources or are even disempowered for decisions, um, they already are in great danger. And Mandana, what are the, some of the actions that governments and NGOs are taking to support vulnerable populations during this time? It's been amazing. I think I've been part of this whole movement from very early days um, with other NGOs, you know, my own organization. So it's an impressive amount of effort going into making sure we respond and we respond well. Um, we are targeting these vulnerabilities together. We are looking at, for example, new ways of delivery of services to make sure that the disruptions in the healthcare system do not affect especially women and children as badly as they potentially could. We are looking into guidance for home-based care and making tools available um, to countries that will have to deal with this pandemic one way or another. We are looking at new approaches to provide some of these targeted nutrition-specific interventions to women and children. Um, we are considering things like um, providing multiple macronutrient supplements that can be given for 180 days, so they don't need regular return or access to the healthcare system. They can be delivered at the community or household level. Similarly, macronutrient um, powders supplements for young children that could supplement there are uh, food security packages or social protection packages that are also being put in place by governments. And Mandana, how can someone who is listening at home right now um, or in their car take action? I wonder if you can pass on some tangible things that they can do to help in this matter or to create positive change. I think all of us are dealing with you know, being professionals, moms, caregivers to our children, to our elderly parents, to our partners. And my personal experience has been that these all really blend <laughs> together and they don't leave much time for self-care and really for, for putting ourselves also um, kind of at the center sometimes and making sure we have our resources and are, we are resilient enough and we are aware of how we are being affected. So I would say self-care and really knowing that 
there is a lot of burden of care just by nature of being a woman. A lot of us willingly and lovingly accept it, uh, but it's still a burden and we need resources for being able to deliver. So I would say just kind of having that time deliberately there and, and asking for help if it is available. And then more of, I guess, the kind of social or outward looking, I would say just being alert and influencing decisions when we can, especially for women and for making them visible. I do have a bit of a concern still when I, you know, listen to panels and our other big key decision making discussions going on today. And and I don't see women's voice, like I don't hear women's voice there. Uh, you know, you don't see those perspectives being there. I think it's important that women are represented, not in a tokenistic way, but really deeply heard and their perspectives are part of this response to COVID. So I think all of us have to call for that. It can't be just one person or it can't be some of us who are gender specialists. It really has to be all of us. We need to have that unified voice. And I feel there's still work to be done in that sense. Thank you so much, Madonna, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful to talk to you as well. And, and thank you so much for the great work that you're doing. Thank you. And, and we'll be on the lookout for more uh, great things to come from Nutrition International. I, I want to thank you again and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, you can stay up to date on our newest episodes of 15 Minutes to Change the World on Spotify and iTunes. Mm-hmm.